Hi, I'm Mason. We're going to talk through uh, closed loss programs. So as far as pipeline, uh, we were able to bring back 25% of our closed loss deals from two quarters back. So again, look at your existing pipeline, do 25%. Then you've got uh, the exact number for us. That was like a ballpark of like eight to 12 deals that were re-engaged on a quarterly basis. Uh, how long did it take to start seeing results? Uh, generally, we would send a gift. So we for quick context, we sent a popcorn tin to our closed loss deals with a note that said, hey, we're popping back in, wanted to see if now was a better time. Again, that was the, it was nuanced based on the closed loss reason, like that's the high level concept. Um, so generally we would send popcorn tins and we would have meetings on the books about two weeks later. And then we had a bit of a follow-up uh, sequence and it would take a little bit longer for some people, but overall within about two to three weeks. Um, as far as channels, it was direct mail and then email. So not super complicated channels. Um, tech and strategy, I mean, again, we were using Sendoso at that time because we were an agency partner of Sendoso. Um, there's a lot of direct mail sending platforms or you can be really scrappy with it like I am now and I like send my own stuff and like just write the addresses. And also I write handwritten notes that go with all of my stuff that are personally from me on like embossed Mason Cosby stationery. So like it's a personal thing for that. Um, so you don't have to have a sending platform. It's helpful for scale, but you're scrappy. Uh, and then email. So if you have an email address, you can do it. Yes, you can use different tools like Apollo or uh, Ample Market, or there's a lot of data enrichment plus outbound sequencing, but like literally the USPS and an email is all you really need. Um, how long did it take to implement? We had this idea the first time, like, I don't know, it was like a Thursday and we ran it the next week. Like it, it wasn't super hard. You just like have to know how to write an outbound sequence and like be a little bit kitschy. The hardest part was the creativity around the gift within a budget. So if you can nail that part, you're good to go. Um, how many people did it take to implement? I did it myself. It was like me when just like a really good HubSpot instance with list segmentation. So like not super hard. Granted, I will say we had an incredible RevOps person that like made a really clean database. So like if you have a really dirty database or a sales team that doesn't follow a solid process, that actually gives you good reasons around closed loss. That's not gonna be as easy. But like good data, good sales team that follows the process, one person. Uh, how much money? Uh, again, we sent roughly 30, 30 to 40 popcorn tins that were 30 bucks a piece. So we're talking 30 times 30 is $900. Plus actually in the context of Sendoso, shipping was included. So it was like 900 bucks um, for the actual sends. And then obviously we had a sending platform in that context, Sendoso was free for us because we were an agency, so like not a huge deal on that front. Um, and again, we already had HubSpot, so it was sending out emails. And then lastly, who can implement the strategy? If you have deals that you have lost previously, you can implement this strategy. If that resonates with you, listen along. Also, check out our other episodes. You're listening to TNDR, the B2B SaaS growth podcast brought to you by Spear Growth. The goal of the podcast is to enable you, our listeners, to generate an additional $100,000 in cumulative pipeline by May 2024. To do this, we bring people who have made a real impact in their companies. They cut through the fluff and dive deep into one tactic or strategy of theirs. I'm your host, Ishan. Let's generate pipeline. Hey, Mason. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, just just quick story. I... I I think I saw you before you, or I, I saw a couple of posts of yours right before you were starting Scrappy ABM. And then when you finally did it, and then how transparent you were and a few things, I think I even sent 
a few posts and ideas to the team as peer group that hey this looks really cool this is really nice and for some reason your story about your hat really really just stuck to my head so yeah like that's how i got to know about you thank you so much for doing this i'm uh, looking forward to this yeah super pumped to be here thanks for having me on perfect so uh, j- just to get started like in a line or two could you just introduce yourself i know there's a lot you've done but very quickly like how should we re- like know you yeah uh so founder of a company called scrappy abm that is very dedicated to starting abm programs for b2b companies um if you think about the crawl walk run space or crawl walk run approach for abm everybody loves to be in like the walk runs cuz it's more fun but you can't walk or run until you've crawled and we are to my knowledge the only service provider that is dedicated to the crawl space so that's what we do in the past 3 years we've generated about 4.5 million uh through just really scrappy programs that generated about a 15x ROI so again that's what we do we help you get started awesome mason like that was amazing so getting right into it the project that we were that you mentioned about so by the way first of all i love puns so <laughs> i'm a huge fan of this already uh, so can you just walk us through what were the because you've outlined outlined the entire thing but could you also walk us through and i also understand it can work for any company which is b2b but could you walk us through the stages of it like are there is there more to it than just hey we'll send it right but then what's the prep phase is there a sending is there how do you collect emails can you just walk us through the entire process once yeah yes i mean super um early you need a good sales team is actually going to abide by your overall sales process because again I, i alluded to it in the in the tldr but like this was a quick turnaround from an execution perspective because we had really uh, solid data and we had really uh, a, a pretty great sales team that actually very much so abided by our sales process so whenever there was a closed loss it wasn't just okay we moved to close the loss we move on but we actually for a lot of deals would have a monthly postmortem like meeting as a team on on the revenue side for why did we lose these deals and again we would then at that point actually identify is this the kind of account that we would want to reengage down the road at any point and again that was just a a part of our monthly cadence as a revenue team so those kinds of things make it easier to go run a closed loss program because uh, for a lot of companies the first time they do it they they look at a two year look back and they haven't had good data so they don't know should I reach out to this person so you end up doing all this run around internally because you're trying to think through who do I go after because I'll be honest like sometimes a closed loss was closed loss because we said we are not a good fit we do not need to reach out to them so you can close lost if you've not got the appropriate uh, tracking in place for close lost reasons and then explanations um it, it can become a place in which you go back to deals that you should not have gone back to so from a prep perspective that's the biggest thing that i would think through um as you're thinking about making this more of a repeatable program that was not obvious to me at all like that is a very very good insight so you're basically saying can you walk me through the implementation of this obviously there's, there's a cadence from the sales team that is great do you have a is that another stage in the like is it beyond sql close lost and is there a second stage called close loss reengage later or how do you set yeah that? it's a it's a great question and i've seen it done a couple of different ways like um i worked in an organization in which they had four different close loss buckets because that was how they wanted to think through 
their close loss. So there was like close loss, like we turned them down, do not re-engage, close loss, like we really actually wanted them. Um, close loss delayed. That was their way of saying like we lost it, but they're gonna come back in six months or whatever. Uh, and then there was like close loss ghosted. So like that was how they did it. And again, you can actually create different closed loss programs based on ghost, based on delayed, based on um, not now, or they turned you down. I'm a fan of clarity from a closed loss perspective. And I just feel like that then gets into this challenge of like, okay, there's just a lot of confusion within the sale. Like we just need a closed loss stage. And then within your closed loss stage, you can actually set up within your CRM as somebody moves a deal to closed lost, a form's going to pop up. Some sales teams will hate it until they see the value of why we do it, but it will require you put a closed loss reason. Um, and I'm actually a fan of requiring like a type out why, like help us understand not just like the drop down because that, that is helpful, but a drop down is great for graphs and charts. It's not great for actually like improving your sales process. So again, understanding the qualitative uh, information that is coming from the sales reps and hearing their perspective, it can either help you understand we need to improve our overall sales process, first of all, or second of all, may actually help your sales leaders identify areas of coaching for your sales team. So you can overall improve your individuals plus the process. So like, if you're thinking about how do I scale this up, have having those gates in place is huge. Um, so one more question that I'd had, uh, that I had around this, the still the prep phase, right? So let's say an average contract duration is a year and that's very common in most B2B SaaS. So let's say you lost something to a competitor or most probably to a competitor, depending on how much information you have. And then you're trying to re-engage them next quarter. So when should you, like, if you know it's a year at least, so when should you yeah. first do that? Yeah. So I, I would not have a closed loss standardly. So again, in the, in the idea that we we're on an annual contract, I would not re-engage them three months later. I usually look at it through a, uh, who are we re-engaging from two quarters back? Um, so that's, that's my standard approach because again, it's been six months. So, Hey, you, you've been in your new contract for six months. How are things going? And it's not a, let's get right back into a sales conversation necessarily, depending on the context. Um, it is a, are things going well? Are you enjoying what's happening? Uh, if not, hey, would it make sense for us to start a conversation so that there may be actually some overlap in your contracts, unfortunately, but like if you've built a bunch of stuff in this for a year, and it's not going well, you actually do need some, from a tech perspective, you need some level of overlap to transition data from one to the other. So again, even though they are on an annual contract, it may actually come down to the fact that they need a two month overlap period. So if you re-engage in six months, they would buy four months later. So that's from a tech perspective, from a services perspective, it like I do a lot of project work that's like 60 day, 90 day projects. So again, if somebody doesn't move forward with me, because I, I often am not necessarily quote unquote losing to another agency. I'm very unique in what I do. I'm losing to in-house. So they're like, we want to try to build this in-house first. If it doesn't work, we'll come back to you. So for me, I have closed loss that I re-engage 45 days later because they've tried it. And what likely happens in most cases is they've made no progress because they know it's important, but it's not urgent for them. It's not a fire for them. So I come back, they're like, we have made no progress or we tried it and it completely bombed or we tried it and it worked. I'm like, awesome. What did you do? Can we talk? I'd love to hear what you're doing that's working because then my next service line after my initial program 
is a longer term project. So again, even in that context of if they were successful without me, I can help them take the next step in their ABM journey. So again, it's very contextual from a timeframe perspective on the length of your agreement and the context of the contract. Uh, that's, I, I think that's the strategy that you outlined sounds very simple. I think that's with a lot of the stuff that you do, but there's a lot of contextual knowledge that gets completely lost because yeah, like I wanted to send out popcorn to people and then make a ton of money off that, but then that's not, that's not the full story. Uh, so just on those lines and one more question. So let's say, um, uh, someone has gone through the entire sales process. They've already, they have shared their objections and I'm assuming sales did a good job at countering those objections best they can and they have taken a decision not to work with us for the offer that we were giving them or for the service or the product that we were selling to them. So does it make more sense to then in the re-engagement try and offer something else or is it just like what would like have you seen any patterns around this or in your case did you try to sell the same thing because you mentioned that in the conversation that you had so you tried to have a conversation and based on the conversation, you decided what to sell. Is that the case or what would you recommend? Yeah, it's in that context, it is, it is so dependent on the business. So again, if we're thinking about a tech provider, they, they largely are selling the same platform. They may have different add-ons to their platform. So like a lot of the conversations I'm having are with people that have bought an ABM platform. So like they went and bought the intent side of an ABM platform. They didn't buy the ad side. They didn't buy the data enrichment side. So like, again, I'm thinking through most tech companies are selling largely the same thing and the same offer. And if they're losing, they are losing either to not right now, they're losing to a competitor or they're losing to, we're going to try to dictate this and bandaid this in house. Like, again, there's, companies that I'm actually talking to right now that we're looking at doing a CRM implementation for them. The competitor to their CRM is not another CRM. It's an Excel spreadsheet, just because that's the nature of their business. So again, you may be able to go back with the same offer because they didn't actually solve the problem. It just wasn't painful enough at that point, or they tried to solve the problem with a, with a competitor and it didn't actually solve the problem and they need the same solution. So in that context, yeah, same thing. And maybe the context of a services-based business, I'll give you some examples of things that I've experienced thus far. Of I had a client that said, we're not going to move forward right now. We're going to try to build this in-house. And it was a 30-day project that was a single activation play. So we were going to come in and build an activation playbook for them. They tried to do it in-house for about 45 days. I shot them an email and said, hey, I know we're supposed to reconnect at the end of the year, or sorry, at the end of the month. It's the first week of January. Just want to see if there's any context or anything new that's happened on your side. He said, can we talk today? We hopped on a call that afternoon. Um, and he said, we realized like this is going to be harder than we thought. It's not that it's complex. It's just we don't have the playbooks built out. You guys have the playbooks built out. So we actually signed for a, a, a annual retainer. And we're going to build a playbook a month for him so that over the course of all of 2024, he'll have all of his playbooks built out for sales activation. So it wasn't the exact same offer because the first offer was literally a 30 to 45 day project. We're now doing a 12 uh, month project. The core difference is it's the same concept. It's a playbook activation play just on a much longer time horizon. So that would be the nuance that I would provide is if time passes, context should change in some, to some extent. 
So depending on the situation and what you're offering from a solution to a problem, that would then uh, dictate what you would actually offer in that re-engagement conversation. I, I love that answer so much. Uh, thank you. So uh, one question around this, right? So um, let's say you've understood these are the accounts you want to go after. I'm assuming, and I'll just paint a picture for you, which is very hilarious to me, but then just let me know. So like one week in a month, every month or every quarter, there's going to be someone sitting on a desk with a list of closed laws from the last quarter with like pages and popcorn packets on their desk everywhere. And so like, and then, you know, like the writing postcards and then taking everything to a mail and then sending it. And that's what they do for a week in their life. Is, yeah. is that how you do it? Like, how, what does that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question. Like, um, again, I've got, I've got these beanies and I've got shirts and I, I have 25 people that have, that are my existing clients or in pipeline or just kind of like fans of scrappy ABM that have been like, I would love a shirt or a beanie. So like I have taken I, this is way more information than you would want, but like early stage founder, it's like, I've been getting up at like five or five 30 and I'm writing these handwritten notes because I want people to actually know that this is a, a personal relationship. Uh, I don't recommend that for everybody. Like I'm, I own the business. So like, I'm going to do a little bit more. Uh, but if you are an in-house individual, like, yeah, this is time consuming if you want to do it in a scrappy way. But the reason I always recommend starting here is like doing the math on your salary for a week versus the, again, the, the alternative, which is we're going to outsource this to an agency to do it. We're going to outsource this to a tech provider to do it for us. And both of those are going to be longer term projects for something we haven't validated in-house yet. So again, I'm a huge fan of in-house validation and then scaling through or outsourcing because of the time to other providers. But for me, I'm always a fan of, of proved model in-house to the best of your ability. So again, even if you're getting paid like a hundred thousand or $200,000 a year, like on an hourly basis, that's a ballpark of like 120 to 125. You take a week and granted, I'm saying like, this is like a CMO level person that's doing this at this point at 200 grand a year, which is not what most, like this is going to be a marketing measure for being honest. So like the amount of dollars that it would take to do this in a different way uh, does not justify the investment of somebody just taking a week of their life to do it for the first time. Now, if you do it for the first time and you get like eight deals that come back in a pipeline that, that close at like 25% and you've now closed two deals, that are like at a hundred K ACV great. Like you've proven the model and next time it doesn't take you a week, you set it up from a, from a tech perspective to where you can largely automate some of this, or again, not necessarily like <laughs> buying the popcorn tens, sending the popcorn tens and writing handwritten notes. You can, you can scale that through some of these sending platforms, but to try to validate it in house first. I, I thank you so much. Like th that helps me understand. You mentioned something you might have answered this, but I want to re-ask this. So who does this? Because in, let's say I'm, I'm talking about enterprise style, like large sales teams. And I think you can then scale yeah. it back. So for in a large team, I'm again, I'll paint a picture that let's say there are five sales teams for five different regions or five different products that is selling to there are different account lists sent to different sales team that hey you like hey jason 
you own this hey mason you you own this hey shan you own on that thing so there's like different sales uh yeah. like lists that people have to look at now and then there's a marketing team also that could potentially look at this and then the third option is just interns that you get on a quarterly basis so who does this and if you unless it's very highly contextual what happens to um giving sales folks their you know there's a cut of the sale of a deal close like what how does that get affected uh all good questions so i'm going to give you how we did it when i was in house and i will then also give you the answer that is across the board so for us uh it was a partnership so i marketing set up the content i set up the actual outbound sequencing i uh worked through identifying like how are we going to actually functionally do this and again at that point we had a free sendoso account so again we're talking about the idea of maybe doing this like popcorn tins around your desk you may also you may not have to do popcorn tins you might be able to go to a website and you just like plug in people's addresses as you pay for it that's another way of doing it um so i'm giving you that context to say it may not be and i actually probably wouldn't recommend it be from a popcorn tin perspective so an actually in office managing all the popcorn tins i'm doing it cuz it's scrappy abm swag but like for popcorn tins probably not so if somebody owns that somebody owns the content and somebody sends it that somebody that sends it will likely always be sales the other two are kind of up for grabs to some extent uh because like this is not super complex marketing strategy and honestly you don't necessarily even need a CRM you again you need the ability to send something you need the ability to send an email that is not complex marketing so like a lot of sales people send their own gifts this is just a gift so a seller could completely own this process and they don't have to go get like executive buy in it's not a big deal you just like do it yourself for your own deals so there's that thought process again if you wanted to do this as more of a program approach even for the first time validate it so you get like a salesperson or two at most three sales people and a marketer that works with those three sales people to reengage those lost deals they then climb the leaderboard and people are like what did you do and you're like sending popcorn tins my closed lost deals and then they're like this is amazing and then you scale it across the organization and you have then the buy in and the uh ability to actually invest in scaling it up. So I hate the phrase don't boil the ocean, but this is that. Like it's it is very very simple in execution. Like you just need a couple of people that will do it <laughs> with you and you need to try it a couple of times. Uh, no, I love that. Um so I I think this is more of a straightforward question. So what do you write on the note? because you yeah. you've been yeah. sending things what do you write i i have no idea what i would write i i i have something that we are doing on our own but i haven't heard what because people always talk about this no one tells you what's on the note yeah great question um again it's it's even not necessarily the price of the gift because a lot of people think oh if i send a more expensive gift that I'll see a better response rate it is the note and the creativity that goes into the note. So again, I I think I've shared the example 
of we sent popcorn tins. We said, hey, we're popping back in. I just sent cookies to all of my uh, clients. And I just said, hey, thank you so much for, for being an early client and having trust in Scrappy ABM. I think you've seen some sweet results. And we wanted to to say it's sweet of you that you trust us. Like something kitschy like that. Um, so it doesn't need to be overly complicated. But I I would try to be a little bit punny, a little bit cute. Um, another prime example from Will Aiken when he was in sales, and this is one of my favorite examples that he did as a one-to-one send fully as a seller. He had a main point of contact leave. The deal got a close loss. They got a new point of contact because the person was hired and he kept trying to re-engage the deal and she just wouldn't respond to any of his emails. So he sent her a coconut and said, you're a tough nut to crack. And she took the call. Like, so you don't have to be really expensive the the note needs to be contextual to the gift and contextual to the recipient as you can say by the laughs um i love puns i i love them way too much this is amazing so uh, just i think one thing that someone told me about gifting is you have to be very careful about what you send it shouldn't ever come off as a bribe to anyone like if anyone looks at it and you can say hey that could be a bribe don't send it so no phones and stuff is what someone told me is that true because i think there are some countries where that's a law there are some companies where you're against that so is that something that you have to be careful with definitely um i primarily work in the marketing industry and this uh, the tech space is where most of my clients live um, and from the gifting perspective, it's like the wild, wild west. You can do whatever. Nobody really cares. Um, the medical industry is way, way more intense. Um, you cannot send a gift that is more than $25 directly to a doctor because at that point, it, I think it's deemed a bribe, which is why you see so many people in the medical space doing dinners because you can do a dinner, you can treat them, but they aren't directly getting a gift. So this is something I, I heard from Leslie Barrett a few years back. Leslie Barrett uh, used to work at Sendoso. She was overall their customer marketing. She's super, super smart when it comes to direct mail and sending. She said uh, there was this campaign that they that they saw one of their clients do that was in a highly regulated industry. So they invested the dollars into the packaging. So they sent a beer stein that said, have a beer with an engineer. And then the packaging was really high quality. And when you opened it, it actually had a video screen with a video from the direct sales rep to the recipient with a personal message. So none of that would be deemed a gift. The gift was the beer stein that cost 20 bucks. So it's under the threshold. So again, as you're thinking through the industries, you can get really creative with it. But I also think for a lot of people starting out, I'm just going to give a quick plug to one of my partners, Grove Cookies. Um, They will do branded sends, and this is primarily US and Canada, but they'll do branded sends for like 20 bucks a send. So again, you don't have to get really expensive. That includes a little note card. Um, But it is something to be cognizant of like there are industries in which you can't send a $200 Amazon gift card. So just know your industry. And if you're, if you need to be cognizant of that, but you have the budget to spend on gifting, invest in the packaging to create a great opening and packaging experience more so than the gift itself. Uh, love that. That, that I, again, couldn't have, couldn't have ever thought of 
make the packaging expensive right or spend on that if you have the budget perfect so let's just i think one of the last few questions on this uh, let's run through the costs of an average program and i know since like it can scale variably so if i think it might be easier to discuss cost per reactivation and then just sort of look at okay how many cents cost per send uh, everything like just let's just do the the entire cost across platforms and everything yeah yeah so again if you want to go the le- least expensive route possible um i i actually really do highly highly recommend specifically grove cookies um, I partnered with them specifically because you can do branded note sends and send like a box of six cookies. And again, you can tie the note into the gift. And again, if, you, if you're going to send a gift with no note, I wouldn't send the gift because the note is what actually makes it drive a deal forward. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, this was nice. Um, so like Grove Cookies can do it for like 20 bucks per send. And again, you just have to put in their email or you just have to put in their email address even. And like, it will do everything for you on that front. And then you'll get a notification when it's been delivered and you can follow up with an outbound sequence from there. So again, uh, if you have the ability to do outbound sequencing, you can do that in HubSpot. If you don't have that, you can do that for free in Apollo. So again, you can take the person's email and roll them into an outbound sequence in Apollo that's free and it will do multiple outbound uh, emails. If you wanna get uh, LinkedIn outbound as well, uh, I highly recommend a tool called Ample Market that's data enrichment plus LinkedIn, it's relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. So again, that's the low end is you can do it at $20 a send plus a free outbound sequence or Apollo. If you want to take it a step up and have more automation and, and more tasks that are associated, you can use a tool called Ample Market um, that helps you kind of further engage the account after the send has been sent. But it, it truly just comes down to how much money am I putting into the gift? How many am I sending? And what is the technology that I'm using to send it? Uh, the average uh, gifting platform is probably thirty to forty thousand dollars on an annualized basis. So again, I don't recommend starting there for your first round. But if you start seeing that you're doing this every single quarter and you have enough scale within your organization that you're supporting this across 10, 15 sellers, it's probably worth the thirty to forty grand. So let's take the twenty bucks a send model and just like let's just do a full cost of per activation how many do you send to get one activation on average obviously it's going to vary quite a bit but yes yeah i mean these people are already brand aware they've already explored your products and services previously and they said no for a reason so you have that reason and if you're re-engaging in the appropriate timing based on the reason that they provided i I would expect somewhere in the ballpark of 20 to 30 percent that re-engage in a conversation because again They've already, they already know who you are. You already explored it. Unless your sales rep was just awful in the sales process. It was just mean and rude. They shouldn't hate your organization. They just said like, this wasn't the right fit at this time. So now you just re-engage and you should, you should get 25% that say like, you know what? You're right. This was a, this is a better time to have this conversation. Love that. Okay. So 20 to 30, you, so you, you said 20% would re-engage. So that means every five cents, which is hundred bucks, you get one more conversation. And I'm assuming out of this conversation, if, if I had to force a number out of you, what do you think? Like what percentage could we aim to actually get into a sales conversation from that or 
anything. Oh, I was saying 20% would actually engage into the initial sales conversation, not a response. Your response on a gift should be like over 50 or 60%. Understood. No, that, that helps a lot. I, I think, is, is there anything that I should have asked, but I didn't? Well, I, I went in deep. No, I, I, the only thing I can think of is just, again, the meetings that actually convert to revenue. For any programs like this, I just like to hold our conversion metrics the same. So again, as you're doing it for the first time, just hold your conversion metrics as they currently are. So if you anticipate that after your first conversation, generally 50% move to a, a deeper dive discovery, I would anticipate that 50% of those initial conversations would move to a deeper dive discovery. So if you just continue with your existing conversion metrics, you can then actually identify, we would need to send X number of gifts to X number of accounts to get their actual return on investment. And it was going to take this long to see that return actually happen. Uh, love that. Perfect. Okay. And then just last thing, Mason, like if you had to pitch Scrappy ABM to anyone, uh, can you give us a ele quick elevator pitch? Listen back to this episode. Uh, we build these kinds of starter programs because essentially what we just outlined is this is an account-based program that uses direct mail and email. It's a very simple ABM program that gets you running in the right reps of working with marketing and sales as a combined effort. So we do this, but we've got like 20 playbooks that are similar to this that are across a variety of different stages. And these, this is just one of our service lines is what, this is what we would refer to as a sales activation play. And then we move up into a pilot ABM program. So again, if this is of interest and you're like, this sounds super helpful, I, I recommend you start trying it in house. If you run into trouble, that's where we come in and help and help make sure you have the right foundation. Love it. Thank you so much for doing this, Mason. Uh, I, I learned a lot. I might actually do this and I just hope this does not blow up. Otherwise, everyone will be getting popcorns in the, in the B2B space like every <laughs> month. Like that, that'd be weird. <laughs> but if yeah, we start so seeing, much. I gotta invest in popcorn companies now. I'm gonna go <laughs> up and to the right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the TLDR podcast. In case you're wondering, Spear Growth is a marketing agency. We help B2B SaaS companies like yourself with ads and SEO. Check out our website at speargrowth.com. That is S-P-E-A-R-G-R-O-W-T-H.com. Just like this, every episode starts with a one-minute summary of what we discuss. Pick the next episode to listen to based on what you can implement right away. And after you implement any of these tactics and see an impact, we'd appreciate you drop us a note on podcast at speargrowth.com.